Hi, Super Awesomes. Welcome to the next installment in our exclusive series, Sorta Taboo. This is the series that we have created just for our Sorta Awesome listener supporters. And as you may know, in this series, we explore the awesome in the everyday in some different ways, in some ways that frankly are not safe for the regular viewing public, for the regular <laughs> listening public, I guess I should say. Um, we want you all to know, as always, that we are so grateful for the way you trust us with your support every single month. You truly make the magic happen for Sorta Awesome. And because of that, we are totally willing to trust you with some topics that are a little bit too taboo to cover on our regular Friday shows. So one year ago today, Valentine's Day of 2017, Kelly and I kicked this series off with talking about sex. In that episode, if you haven't listened, remember, as a listener supporter, even if you just signed up last week, you have access to all of our exclusive episodes for our supporters. So if you haven't listened to this one, the, to the first one, the, our first Let's Talk About Sex taboo episode, um, just scroll back in the feed. It's from last Valentine's Day. You'll find it. In that episode, Kelly and I really talked a lot about what we learned from Dr. Emily Nagoski's book, Come As You Are, about women and sexuality and how all of us have sexual accelerators and we all have sexual breaks. And we really talked about sort of like the biology and the physiology of sex. Well, a year has passed. In our exclusive hangout group, we've had some follow-up conversations about kind of troubleshooting and working through problems with intimacy and sex. And Kelly and I, this is really Kelly's idea. She was like, you know, I think we need to revisit. We had kind of talked about it, Kelly, yeah. that someday we'll do a follow-up. Right. It was an idea. We just didn't have a specific thing that we wanted to talk about. And right. so we did. Yes, exactly. So we've been kind of listening to what you all are saying in some of our conversations in our Superstars Hangout group. And we thought, you know, it's a good time to do a, a follow-up discussion. Now, speaking of time, um, I want everyone to know it is right now 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Kelly and I don't have the, um, let, let's say, the benefit of having like had a glass of wine or two. or <laughs> Right. Which would normally be when you would get into the whole sex yes. conversation. It wouldn't be right first thing over toast, over, right. over avocado toast and yes, coffee, but we're going there. <laughs> we are going there. I'm literally sipping on coffee. Um, but you know, Kelly, I have to say, my just thinking about myself from a year ago, where I was when we recorded that one to now, I don't know what's happened in my life. I feel much less nervous than I did last year when we were talking about all of this. Me too. That's so funny. I don't know if it's just the fact that we have been recording sort of awesome for however, almost mm -hmm. three years, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not nearly as nervous. And yet I, I feel like because of the superstars group and the discussions that we've had in there, and of course, always the really good feedback, like it is a discussion. It's not just somebody asking a question and people giving bullet point answers. It feels like we're all learning from each other. It really crystallized a few things for me where as we think about sex, maybe it was the fact that it has been this kind of conversation with these superstars that you guys, as you've talked, we've listened. And so now it just doesn't feel as squirmy. Like we've already covered some of those early initial conversations where maybe we felt nervous. And now we're all just like, hey, we know each other now. Let's do this. Right? Let's talk we totally about it. do. <laughs> so here we go. Obviously, you could probably tell by the title of this episode. If you have little ears around, you may want to listen to this later. So, okay, so it's Valentine's Day. This is the day when normally we're thinking about passion and romance. And the, we kind of, some of us may build up 
expectations, some realistic, maybe not realistic, about what Valentine's Day and just kind of the bigger idea of passion and romance in relationships, especially long-term relationships. Kelly and I are, we said this in our first sex episode, and we'll say it again, we're old married ladies. Kelly and Corey are you have celebrated or you're about to celebrate? We're about to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary in May, which is astounding because that's something that old people do. Yep. And we're not old people. So well, somehow yeah. we have like breached a time space continuum. <laughs> It's really cool. <laughs> yes. Yes. Kyle and I also have have torn a hole in time space continuum because in June we're celebrating our 20th right, that's wedding what I anniversary. Right. So, yeah. So we are coming at this from the context in our personal lives of long-term sexually monogamous relationships within marriage, but we're going to try to talk about and extrapolate some of the things that have been on our minds about sex to all different kinds of sexual contexts. So just, you know, sort of know that caveat before we start. But so it's Valentine's Day, a lot of times expectations. But today, Kelly and I just kind of want to take a cold, hard look at the... (laughs) The, I was going to say the mechanics of sex. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> Point A goes into slot B. <laughs> we're not that advanced in terms of our careers as sex educators. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think we should, we need to go there. But we are. I, I did start to laugh when you said we're taking a cold hard look because I thought it's Valentine's Day, which is like the one day that everybody wants to be like, oh, let's just be gushy and romantic. And we're like, right, people, we're here to tell you that I ain't real life. <laughs> I know. I know. Forget your gushiness. We're going to be really realistic today. But I mean, let's just use that as a jumping off point. Yeah. Because I think you and I have talked about that sometimes that is actually the starting point for some mismatch um, expectations for both men and women is that we have these ideas and these ideals that we have formed in our minds about what intimacy looks like. What does intimacy look like um, from a, a person? You know, sometimes we say stereotypically, you know, women want the emotional intimacy, men want the physical intimacy. And that's true for, I don't know, I'm just going to make up a number. Let's say like 85% of people. I don't know. I like it. But of course, there are women who really are much more into the physical intimacy and men who really need a strong emotional intimacy. So we're going to just know if we paint with broad strokes, just have grace. We, we may delve right. into some stereotypes, whatever. Okay. So, um, so yeah, when it comes to intimacy, sometimes our biggest um, breakdown in communication and ex- in, in our experiences is because of expectations. So Kelly, let's just kind of use that as a launching point. Right. What are some of the thoughts you've had on that? Well, I've got to tell you guys, the older I get, the more I think that one of the big overarching life lessons is expectations will screw you up Mm -hmm. because you just don't even know that they're there until they're not met lots of times. Um, They're so sneaky. So it is a lifelong process to kind of root them out and say, why am I unhappy about this? What did I think was going to happen? Is that realistic? And that sort of thing. So that's why I think that Many ways, what we're talking about is connectedness. Like if you wanted to say intimacy, the the goal is to be connected to your partner, to your spouse, right? Yes. And so maybe men and women or different wired people go about that in different ways. So each has to dig down and say, what are my expectations about this? How did I think that this was going to get me there? So mm. that mm-hmm. that's my general thesis. But to break it down real specific, you guys, what I was thinking is that lots of times – Women 
will romanticize the emotional connectedness that they want to have with their spouse. And again, stereotype might be the man in some relationships, but they want to talk deeply, feel connected, maybe do some of those things that we think about on Valentine's Day, you know, go to a romantic dinner and share deep, heartfelt feelings and dream for the future and, and all these things. And they feel like that, that is the epitome. That is what I want to feel connected. I want to feel connected in that way. Um, that's going to be beautiful and wonderful and romantic. And my spouse partner will anticipate all my needs. You know, they will know what to get me for Valentine's Day. In fact, I didn't say anything, but they're going to know what I want is that jewelry and flowers, you know, because they know me so deeply. I've read it in all of the magazines and all of the, you know, romance novels. That's how it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. So then maybe we could say on the man's side, again, stereotypical, but maybe what they're thinking is we are so hot together. Mm -hmm. She wants me. The way I feel connected is that she is going to come at me. She is going to be ripping clothes off. She's going to meet me at the door with just a necktie and a bottle of champagne. Like (laughs) it is going to be a multiple activity evening. And that is going to be connectedness because, and and I don't, you know, I'm not even going to go down this road, but it could be even I've watched porn and that's how it goes down. Right, right, no, right. Yeah. I've seen, in mm-hmm. fact, this is a little bit of a side note, but just this week, you could probably go back and find it if you want to in the New York Times. They had a really long article about teens and porn and how it affects how they view sex. Like this oh. generation is, it's so pervasive um, yeah. that like they don't know, like that's all they have to go on. So they yeah. say, well, she looks like she's enjoying it when she gets hit. I thought that's what women like, you know, so how it affects mm. the way that they are shaping their own sexual expectations. Yeah. And so there was actually, I I haven't read that and I'm a little terrified, but I think that I probably should read it. It was hard to read it in some ways as as a parent of teenagers, especially, but at the same time, it it was detailing a class that they actually do in some high schools about talking about porn and what you're learning about it. Um, Trying to be really judgment free for these teens, but at the same time saying like, what do you think that says about that person? What are you doing in your own life that mirrors what you're seeing? So it was interesting because that's kind of like the next level of, of expectations. But putting all that all aside, I think that a lot of men might say, well, that's what I think it means to be connected. This is going to be hot sex. She's always going to want it. She's going to want me. She's going to initiate. It's going to be great. Yes. And then real life. Right. Right. Um, the men get involved maybe in their work or they're having a hard time or they want to, you know, go golfing. And the women oftentimes are then staying at home with young children potentially and are like, please don't touch me. Mm -hmm. I like, I don't even want to be touched ever. I don't even rub my back because I know that that's kind of an overture for something. Right. And what we do is maybe again, we have not even examined what we thought real life was going to be. We have these expectations and they're not being met. And rather than kind of dealing with that or sussing it out, you just get angry and bitter. And yes. what comes after bitter, what bitter produces is resentment. Mm-hmm. And that, my friends, it's a cancer that will kill a marriage. Right. Or yeah. a relationship, a long-term relationship. And especially since we're talking, both of us, long-term, this is like one of those things that I have just watched. It's so easy to start out small and it festers. I mean, does that resonate with you? It absolutely does. And being able to confront for yourself and being super self-aware for your own self about what your expectations are, what formed those expectations, and how you are anticipating those expectations to be met, 
I really think that's the first step. And it can be, that can be actually the hardest part of this whole process, honestly, is being very honest with yourself. Like you were saying kind of jokingly, like, he's going to get me this perfect gift. And I won't have even said a word, but he just knows me and he sees me and he's just going to get me just the right thing. Well, I mean, that is lovely, but I think it's also mostly fiction. I do too. I don't think that I, I don't, I would be like really stressed out if anybody in my life had that expectation for yeah, me. Right? And I do feel like I see the people that I know and love pretty well. But if, if every gift giving time, even my children, if they didn't give me any hints, certainly my husband or my best friend gave me no hints, expected something. And that would be so much pressure. Right. And so kind of taking a step back and being like, what are my expectations? And are they realistic? Am I expecting a magician or a spouse? (laughs) Right. A wizard? Right. Like a mind reader. I think that that's- a mind reader? Really, when you put it in black and white terms and you say, well, what did you think that he would, how would he know that? Yeah. And you go, oh, well, I I guess I thought he would read my mind or that Mm -hmm. we would be so- intimately connected in every way that somehow it would travel through the air from my brain to his. And then we, when it's put that way, we go, oh, well, yeah. And I think it's hard because not only do you have to be self-aware about these things, but then you might even just kind of have to grieve it. Yes. Um, because I think our yes. culture, when I went through this process, it it took me probably a year of kind of grieving and also being angry at culture and how I had swallowed this pill and not realized it and yes. how, you know, everything had set me up to be mad at Corey. Um, yeah. And so I was like, well, that's not even fair. So then, you know, like I would turn on a Disney movie and I'd be like, well, that that is not realistic. That is just <laughs> stupid. I'm Disney. You just ruined me. Uh, and I've kind of gotten beyond that now. But, you know, like it took a, it was a process of like I couldn't watch rom-coms for like five years because I was like, well, that, that's just unrealistic. And it's, it, it set me up in a bad way, you know, cause I right. kind of had to just get it out of my system because yeah. it is really pervasive. And so I think in that sense, like saying, well, I guess I did think mm-hmm. that my marriage was going to be a Jane Austen novel mm-hmm. and that's not realistic. And so then we, we say, okay, well, I'm just going to mourn that, you know, which is fine. That's a healthy way. I think of working through those emotions uh-huh. But hopefully yeah. we do that. Do your morning, do your anger, do whatever you need to do to cut out of your media diet to say that just makes me mad right now. Sure. Um, and then yeah. try to get to a place of reality. I think that is so true. It's, mm-hmm. I think that people might be listening and feel some resistance to the idea of like mourning these expectations because like, why can't it be that way? Right. I think you have to grapple with that. And also, again, I think flipping the script a little bit and thinking about that it might be difficult for the person in your relationship who really craves that physical, physical intimacy, that they are going to have to go through their own kind right. of mourning and accepting of reality too, that you are not always going to show up as the sex kitten, you know, right. just on a, on a moment's notice that that in, you know, sort of uncovering what is going to bring our physical intimacy to a, a great level together, that there may be some things that your partner has to do to help you in the process that are also like, this is not the sex I signed up for. This is not, I thought, you know, I thought that it, even if they weren't into porn, even just from watching like movies and, right. you know, even R-rated movies or whatever, even today, I mean, even, even sitcoms. Just, 
I was going to say, even yeah. just regular TV doesn't right. even have to be poor. Right. <laughs> but to recognize it's sort of a mutual mourning process yes. if you're in a situation where you have those mismatched expectations. But the, on the other side of that process of kind of grieving, like, I thought it was going to be this way. In my mind, I think it should be this way. But I understand also it's not realistic that it will be this way. That if you can figure out how to walk through that kind of together, mm-hmm. that on the other side of it, you may discover, okay, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. But actually, this has turned out to be pretty great. And that's right. going to look different logistically for a lot of people. We, we've talked about and kind of seen conversations about like, oh, I know we should probably just schedule sex, but it just seems so unromantic or who wants to have scheduled sex? And, um, like, I think once you kind of go through the process of like, we have to live in the reality of our lives, then something like some, a pragmatic, a super pragmatic, clear eyed solution to, Sexual intimacy may very well be scheduling, but that could be okay. Right. Yeah. Just because you're scheduling sex doesn't mean it can't be good sex. I guess that's that's a huge thing. And I love what you said because you're right. It's not just saying, hey, people, wake up, reality, life sucks, and then you die. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying (laughs) throw all those expectations away because life will never meet them. Right. (laughs) We're not trying to be total Debbie Downers on Valentine's Day. We're saying that actually if you get through that process and get to reality – Reality is awesome. Yes, it is. Because you can be in a good spot. You can be dealing with the real person that you married and your real personhood and, or even not married, you know, together, but you are living in a place where you're able to talk about these things and actually not just resent each other all the time. Isn't that good? I mean, that's what you want. You don't want to be saying, I just am so stuck. I'm so like resenting and I don't know how to deal with it. So you do have to do some really things that don't sound very romantic, you know, like maybe scheduling sex, like having even the conversation to say, can we yes. schedule sex? Because, <laughs> um, exactly. yeah. you know, again, we feel like none of this stuff should be talked about. It should just happen. Mm-hmm. It should just yeah. happen regularly, you know, without anybody having to say it. Um, mm-hmm. So having some of these conversations that are very real and being mm-hmm. able to accept the other person, you know, to hear their words without getting defensive. I mean, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of maturity, but it's worth it. It is. It is so worth it. It really is. I want to circle back to something you said about being mindful of the media you're consuming Mm -hmm. and how that can build in um, expectations that are not realistic on both ends. Of course, as women, you know, we're sitting here as girlfriends talking to each other and, and women may have one view on porn and and you know there may be women who very much like and need to have a little something spicy right. to watch um to kind of get their motor running in the smartest person in the room episode um in the mind body series where uh, Laura Tremaine interviewed the sex therapist yep. um they had a really good and really frank discussion about porn and and about finding if there's something out there that tickles your fancy that that could be a thing. I think for women, a lot of times ours comes in the form of fiction, whether it is a straight up bodice ripper romance novel, or if it is like you even mentioned, like a Jane Austen novel, which is not necessarily racy, but has that deeply embedded longing for each other romance type um, context. I will tell you, Kelly, this sounds crazy, but I'm going to tell you anyway, there is a Christian author. I don't know if she's writing anymore. Her name's Francine Rivers. Are yeah. you familiar? Yeah, okay. I'm familiar with that. I, ha- I haven't read a lot of her books, but I know who she is. So one of her most popular novels is called Redeeming Love. And yes, for a long I've time, 
Yeah, for a long time, it's like my favorite book. And I have to tell you, I read that in a time in our marriage and in the life of our family that was not great. We, Kyle and I were totally not connected in a spiritual way at all. He, it was when he was still coaching, his whole entire life was consumed by the business and industry of coaching. I'm not telling secrets on him. He would tell, he talks mm-hmm. about this all the time to friends and in family or whatever that it was, it, we were really disconnected. Now on the surface, you would not think that. I mean, we did not, we never fought or had any, there was no infidelity or anything. We were just not connected. We were really living separate lives. Um, but I read Redeeming Love in the context of that season of our marriage. So here's this beautiful Christian romance story that's actually kind of an allegory for mm-hmm. God and his people, really. But I just got so tangled up yep. in this idea of a godly man and how much I longed for that. And I'll be dadgummed, but what I didn't start resenting Kyle so much for not showing up as this strong, godly, tender, loving man from a Christian yep. novel, Kelly. Yep. So I think that it just, you have to be so mindful of the balance of, is this is this fueling my fire in a good way? And a like, let's, let's get a little something going on way. Cause I, I do actually still like a, a good romance novel because mm-hmm. there's a lot there that can get you in the mood. But if you are consuming it and it's coming to a point where you're like, Oh, this is getting me in a mood, but it is in an angry, right. resentful mood. Then you might know you have a problem. Right. Yeah. And that's being self-aware again, right? Yeah. Yes. So you really do have to look at so much. It could be any, everything from the movies you're consuming to the books you're reading. Like you said, even quote unquote good Christian books, like there's nothing wrong about it, but what is it producing in you yes. toward your partner? Is it producing good things like where you're wanting to be around them, that you're thankful for them, you're thankful for who they really are? Or are you just starting to resent them? I think any resentment should be a, a huge red flag to us. And I think that a lot of times we live with resentment as if it's normal and it's not normal and it's not healthy, especially right. not healthy. Maybe it is normal, but it's not yeah, healthy yeah, yeah. Um, yes. because it just can so equally, I'm sorry, it can so easily, you know, trickle down into something that's not good. I will tell you this. And since this is just our superstars group, I would never say this outside of our small <laughs> little coffee clutch here. But I feel like even just a few years ago, there was, you know, I was done having babies and Corey and I were trying to figure out like, what does sex look like midlife when we have kids around? And it was just really hard um, to not slip back into patterns of resentment, you mm. know? Um, yeah. So for different reasons, just our own personality types, you know, lots of times I just let things slide, but maybe it's, a, it is bothering me more than I think. And I think lots of times he just thinks it's not a big deal, but it really actually is. Um, so we kind of had a, a hard conversation at one point. I said, look, I also enjoy sex. I also want to be with you. I need you to stop asking Mm. because Mm -hmm. what you ask and I say, no, I feel guilty. I resent that you asked, you feel sad and rejected and you asked. So I said, if I promise you that I will initiate or that we will schedule, that I will look at our calendar and say, look, Thursday afternoon. So what really helped us, of course, this is another like, practical tip, but it's just a small thing is that all of our kids were in school all of a sudden. Yeah. So yeah. all of a sudden he worked from home when he was actually here with us. So we had kid free time during the day. Mm-hmm. Huge thing. So I was like, let me like initiate. If I promise to initiate or to schedule or to make an effort, like, will you trust that and back off? 
Mm. Um, not that you were like breathing down my neck, but any, at that point, kind of anything was just sending us down. And so he agreed. And yeah. that was That's a, a wonderful thing because it set us on a new pattern. That was a huge moment of trust, I'm sure, in your marriage. I mean, yes, it was setting you up for success with physical intimacy, with sex, but for you to make that ask of him and for him to say, okay, I trust you with this part right. of our marriage, I'm sure also met a big emotional yes. connection need for you as well. Yes, because what you're really saying, and of course, this is true in so many things, but when we're talking about physical intimacy, it's intimacy in so many areas. You're saying, listen, I hear your need. I see it. I, I feel for you. I do want to be with you. You know, I want to connect with you, but like, I have to do it in a way that mm-hmm. is going to make sense, you know, for me, for both of us. And so you have to find, maybe have those really frank discussions where you can find something that works for both of you. The other thing that I said, and I don't remember if I said this on last year's show, but this is also kind of revolutionized everything for us is I said bedtime because for so many years he worked away. I was used to like pouring out all of my solo parenting energy into my kids and then falling into bed. Absolutely. And then he would come home and be like, Hey, the kids are in bed. How you doing? Yeah. 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 You know, Joey Tribbiani. And I was like, yeah. I, have, I have, I have nothing left to give. I yeah. have poured myself out like a drink offering. I have nothing. Mm-hmm. And so I finally just said, look, bedtime is not working for me right now because of this lifestyle that I'm used to. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I don't know how to reserve anything for after the kids go to bed. And honestly, you guys, maybe this isn't healthy, but we'll, we'll figure out a new pattern, I guess. But right now, like even when he is home, like we don't connect at all after the kids go to bed. Yeah, like we both yeah. end up on our iPads when we go to bed because we're not, yeah. it's, it's just not part of our, that's not where we connect. During yeah. the day, you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait for the kids to go to bed because I can talk to my husband. I'm like, I never talk to my husband after the kids no. go to bed. No, because like you said, and I think it's maybe, I, I'm just curious. I wonder if it is more of like um, an extroversion thing because, and especially you have teenagers and yeah. teenagers like to talk at night. At late. Yes. Absolutely. And there's, I mean, both of my girls, I, you know, Daisy's 13, AJ's 10, both of them. It's like a, a switch has been flipped to where yep. we'll just be going about a regular daily business all day. But then 830 rolls around because my kids go to bed a little earlier than yours, I think. But 830 rolls around and they're like in here, mom, can I uh-huh. talk to you? Uh-huh. And so you're like trying to navigate. I mean, okay. Yeah. Let's, I want to keep the lines of communication open, but you, for me, that is like the last, like you just said, it's even though my kid, those kids aren't little, they still take some energy. Yes. And so then at the end, I'm, I'm like, yeah, please, I just want to open my Kindle until I fall asleep. Yep. And that's it. Right. So and of course, we'll start with, with we also like to watch our Netflix shows at night, too. Right. So we may even, you know, we might banter back and forth. But Kyle, too, is he's mentally done at the end of the day. Right. So right. yeah. So yeah. even changing that up and saying, hey, what if we never if what if we said bedtime is never our time? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. there's no mm-hmm. expectation. There's an anti-expectation. The expectation is always that we will just go to bed and go to sleep. Exactly. Um, so exactly. even freeing that up and, and discussing yeah. it. And of course, we're not saying this is prescriptive. You know, this is just no. what works for us. But yeah. um, taking that off the table also removed the potential for resentment there. I mean, how many times had before I had gotten into bed and he would reach over and I was like, don't touch me. You know, it was kind of my thought. And then there's that feeling like, oh, it's been a long time. You know, so just removing that even as an option was so good. And again, that means then that I'm saying, but if not then, when, 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to make purposeful times other times in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you are having to have those grown up discussions and say, I still want to meet your needs. I'm yes. not saying leave me alone and then I won't resent you. Yeah. <laughs> That's not right. either. Like you've got to find some mutual, co- mutual compatibility. No, it's what I'm looking for. Like, yes, mutuality, basically. You want to find some mutuality in this relationship. Exactly. And if you're assessing uh, you and your partner and you're like, okay, well, I mean, frankly, I'm a night owl. I can't imagine like waking up early and getting it on. So if you are a night owl, but at the same time, you are worn out from parenting or whatever your thing is, maybe you have a high stress job. Like, okay, this is again where it goes back to context with Come As You Are. She talks a lot, a lot, a lot about context. I am convinced context is the key to good sexuality. Yep. And if for no other reason, everyone should read at least the first part of that book because she explains context so well. But so, okay, let's say you're trying to troubleshoot, problem solve. Well, it turns out bedtime is the only time we could make this work. This is it. What is the context that you need Yes. as a human being? Do you need a long soak in the tub? Do you need some time to read a racy novel? Like, what do you need in that, in the moments that you have to get yourself there where you're like, yeah, I'm enthusiastic about what's about to happen. Let's do this. Um, I think context is so important. And I want to circle back to you were telling me off mic just a few minutes before we started recording that Corey actually had a really great insight about this for, especially for women who are in the active parenting stage of life. Right. Um, how, how context makes such a big difference. Right. He was really saying it to me last night, um, when I was talking to him about this recording. And he said, it's, it's almost more like a, from a man's point of view, but it's something that maybe other men, again, stereotypical need to know was he said, you know, I think that men oftentimes are at work and then they come home and they're done working. And so that's why, you know, as the wife is bending over to load those dishes, they're like, Hey, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, he said, what men don't understand is that. For women, especially if you're a stay-at-home mom and or have young children, when you're at home in the evening, that might be the peak of your work day. Yes. So he yeah. said, if men understood that if, even though they say, you know, I want to have sex with my wife, that's like a big connector for me. If she came to his office in the middle of a conference call and was like, hang up, I'm not wearing anything under this overcoat. <laughs> he would be like, whoa, what? I don't, my brain, I'm in work mode. You know, yes. like, I don't know how to do this. And he said, mm-hmm. if men understood that's what they're asking of their wives in the evening when they're like, I can't wait to see you naked. And she's like, mm-hmm. I am bathing our you know, two-year-old right now. <laughs> like, I, right? you know, I don't feel sexy. I'm not in the mood. I don't have the headspace. Right. So it does go back to what you were saying. If bedtime, if, you know, you're in that crunch, which is not uncommon, you guys, honestly, if you have young children and you're like, I really would rather not be doing this at nighttime, but it's like, there's no other time. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to be creative. That's all we've got. Finding that context and saying to your husband, do you understand that this is what it feels like to me? Do you understand mm-hmm. how that would feel if I came to your workplace? Um, mm-hmm. I have to have a bubble then if we're going to mm-hmm. say, Every yep. three nights, we're going to do this, something like yeah. that. Then yeah. I'm going to say, then that third night, you put the kids to bed, you clean yes. up in the kitchen, I get two hours to unplug. And yep. again, that's reality, right? So that's it reality. would be that a spouse is like, well, I don't want to do that. Well, what do you want more? Mm-hmm. Do you, if you want sex, you, like it's again, we have to deal on the reality. He or even she might be thinking, well, you should just 
want it. Well, unfortunately, that's not where we are. So let's right. deal with where we really are, what you really need, what the context needs to be to make it happen. Make it fun. I, I don't know very many people who don't actually enjoy sex at all. Right. It's just trying to get to the right spot where you can enjoy it. Right. So in right. accepting that. I also was thinking that we do want to say, if you are talking about this with your spouse or you broach the conversation and your partner is like unwilling to first say their expectation, what their expectations are and or to say their expectations are unrealistic mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, you, you could always check in with girlfriends. I don't think mm-hmm. that's a bad thing. I think that's why God gave us girlfriends to say, my husband thinks that we should be having sex two times a day. And he thinks that's realistic. That's, is that realistic? You know, like mm-hmm. sometimes we're just like, I don't think it is, but I want to do what he wants. Right. And so getting some outside expectation of, or I'm sorry, getting some outside perspective yeah, yeah. to say, no, that's not normal. And then if, if your spouse won't negotiate, um, or will not accept what you're saying, I think that that's a time for counseling. Obviously yes. both of you will be ideal, but if that person won't go, you know, this is again, this is a marriage killer, this resentment thing. So you going to a counselor and saying, this is the struggle. This is what my spouse wants. I don't think that's realistic. Is it realistic? How can I compromise? How can I help this person to get to a healthy spot? Because there, there can be times where it's you alone cannot move both of you mm-hmm. toward mm-hmm. a healthy spot of reality. Absolutely. I'm so glad you made that point because I think sometimes when we have these broad strokes conversations, we're, we're really looking at, and, and again, coming from a context of, um, you know, healthy relationships where we want to be on the same page. We're just trying to navigate how to get there. That's one thing. But if you, you yourself or your partner have some really strong resentment and resistance toward even doing the work to get there, I do think that's mm-hmm. a, a totally appropriate and necessary time to call in some third-party perspective. Sometimes we think about going to therapy or a counselor is like this long process, and it may be, but you may just need a few sessions to check in with someone and say, I'm really having a problem even wanting to get there. Right. Um, you may have, we talked about this a little in the first episode on sex in the taboo series, there may be legitimately some physiological things going yes. on. And certainly women and our hormones and our overall systems can be very delicate and can involve some troubleshooting. And again, it's not sexy or glamorous or, right. you know, what you see in a rom-com to sit down with your partner and have that conversation. But it may be a very necessary conversation to be like, I don't know what's going on with me. I have I, I just can't even imagine getting in a place of wanting or being able to enjoy sex, not just wanting to, but right. even being able. I don't even think it's realistic for me. Well, I think that's a time to to bring in some outside help from, yep. you know, a doctor, a, a therapist, something um, to help bring some healing to some places in your life. Yep, absolutely. And, and again, like you just said, this isn't the thing that they show on a sitcom, you know, right. to say, I think I just need some lube. <laughs> Right. (laughs) You know, like it it could be something as simple as that. Or, you know, we've talked about context. There could be physical things. There could be emotional, mental trauma that maybe needs to be healed in a healthy way. The key is that you have to be always self-aware and then able to talk with your partner and receive their words and hear what they're saying as much as you can without defensive mechanisms going up and saying, well, whatever. You know, like I think a lot of times if a... A woman, again, stereotype, but was able to say to her husband, especially right after, I think, 
people have babies and then mm-hmm. I think the husbands are thinking, well, as soon as that six weeks is over, baby, we are back at it. And yeah. a lot of women are like, I have no zero interest. I mean, they could have been bunnies before. Yeah. And then because yeah. their body, so they're already dealing with all the hormonal, the childbirth, all the things. So then to look at their spouse and say, I have negative interest in sex. Like right. the idea repulses me right now. It's mm-hmm. really hard for them to A, say that and B, for the other person to not feel huge rejection. Sure. And, you yeah. know, in that. So you really do have to be so mindful of how you speak and how things are received and when you say things. But what we're saying is that these are good, healthy, necessary conversations to have so that you can get to a good sexual place. You know, I think that that it is one of those things that keeps us connected, um, creates connection. It's such an important part of a healthy marriage. It's not everything, but mm-hmm. it really does. If, if your sex life is not good, it should make you think like, why? How right. can we fix it? What would right. we need to do? Not just mm-hmm. go, well, our sex life isn't good. And that's because of that person not meeting right. my needs. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, you know, we always are interested in hearing your follow-up thoughts and your responses. We hope that this has been helpful, maybe even just in terms of being either a conversation starter with your partner or Maybe you need to go back to step one and just kind of do some self-assessment and think through, it'll do a little meta thinking about, you know, where am I in the expectation situation here? And, and what is the work that I can do with myself to bring myself even to a place of having a conversation with my partner about what's going on here? So anyway, we hope this has been helpful. And as always, thank you for trusting us with your support of Sorta Awesome every month. And thanks for letting us bring these taboo conversations to you. I do hope that it has been helpful for you all. So thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for your support. And we will see you next time. All right. right. Yeah. Yeah.